On today's episode of The Anxious Creative, we are getting into a topic that makes people super freaking uncomfortable, but we kind of always love to like overhear about it and eavesdrop in on it. So I know you're going to love this episode of The Anxious Creative because I enjoyed recording it with our special guest, Misty Jane. She is a money coach for hairstylists and yep, we are getting into the nitty gritty of money and money issues and why we think we can't have or we're not enough or we're not allowed and all the things that come underneath that money issue, whether you're in debt, whether you think you can't afford something, whether you're not making enough money, all the things that may be holding you back that you didn't even realize are there or just learning responsible money habits. So I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode because I know that you will walk away with something that you're going to go, hmm, I'm going to really think about that. I'm going to sit down and apply that and I'm going to shift the way you're either going to shift your mindset today or you're going to apply something into your finances that's going to have a big difference. So buckle up friend because you're in for a wild ride on today's episode with Misty Jane. I overthink, I overshare, and I overanalyze. So come explore with me as I chat about business, life, and relationships all through the lens of an anxious creative. All right, you guys, like I said, I am so excited to introduce you to today's special guest because we are going to melt away the stress and anxiety that you have around your money. Welcome to the podcast, Misty Jane. Dun, dun, dun. Hi, Don. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to be here today. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh. I'm so stoked to have you, not only for the wisdom that you're going to bring on this episode, but you're just like one of the most genuinely nicest, most authentic people I've ever met. Oh, thank you. I seriously, <laughs> I like, that's like my biggest compliment. Like people are like, oh my God, you're like the same person like that you are online. I'm like, I don't know how to be anything else. <laughs> so yeah. kind of like for better, or for worse, we like wear our hearts on our sleeves. Right. I love yeah. that. Yeah, it's the best compliment. Someone's like, you're exactly the same. Yeah, I love that. Because how disappointing is it when you meet someone and you're like, oh. And then they suck. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Then, like, and then I'm like, oh, maybe they were just having a bad day or maybe they're distracted, but you're like, oh. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, I'm so excited to have you here because you talk very candidly about money. Now, is it money? Like you're a money coach for hairstylists. Tell me more about what what is that and what does that mean? So I help hairstylists with their relationship around money. And a lot of people think that I'm going to help them like budget in their business and things like that. And it is stuff we talk about, but my main focus is your personal life. Like in this industry, you can bring home so much money, but there's so many people that get it home and don't know what the F to do with it. And so my goal is to help stylists understand that their career isn't holding them back. Their income isn't holding them back. They are possibly holding themselves back due to mismanagement of money. So I help stylists figure out how to have a good, healthy relationship with money and don't hate it because it's not the money's fault. (laughs) I love that. And really like I, like you can make less money than somebody else, but have a more profitable life almost if you manage your money well. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So I'm curious, how did, sorry, I kind of cut you off. Oh, damn Zoom. I feel like, <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I'm curious how you came to become a money coach. Do you have a story that you went through that has brought you to this place? I do. Okay. So basically, so my husband and I grew up in the same area, Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I, I think I was, let's see what year I just had my son. So it was 2015 into 2016. And we lived in a tiny townhouse and I was a busy stylist. Um, he was an hourly worker at a company and we made okay money, but we always felt broke. Like we were always working all like, just felt like we were never, ever, 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 ever going to get ahead. And there was this neighborhood that we used to drive around and I never, I'll never forget. We used to drive around at least once a week after we left the restaurant that we always went to, which is part of the story. Um, <laughs> and I would say we picked the wrong careers. We'll never be able to live here. And it's not even that it was the rich neighborhood, but to us, like we lived in lower income neighborhoods our whole lives. Like that's what we saw from our parents. That's what, you know, we thought was our destiny. You know, we are in a trade, like you have to go to college and do all these other things to live in this neighborhood. So we finally decided enough is enough. And we decided to get our financial shit together. And honestly, it was the day that I sat down and just combed through our bank statements. And I realized that we were spending minimum of $600 a month just going out to eat. That wasn't including my shopping. I have a Lululemon problem. I have an Ikea problem. Like that wasn't even including that. And I realized we were literally wasting 600 to a thousand dollars a month. And we're wondering why we can't afford a higher mortgage. Mm -hmm. So it took us two years. We paid off $48,000 in debt. We paid off both of our cars. We had like five credit cards. Um, and we weren't making more money. Like we didn't come across this big, you know, lottery of money or get a huge raise. Like we just made different choices. And essentially that $48,000 in two years, that's $24,000 a year. We pay that shit off. And then we gave ourselves a raise. Yeah. That's like $2,000 a month. Exactly. By the end, I think we were putting 2,500 a month towards our debt. I think by the end. And I mean, when you pay it off, what happens? You have it in your hand. Like it's, it's yours to save, to, to put towards a higher mortgage, to put towards whatever. Um, and so, and we bought a house in that neighborhood. I'm sitting in it now. Um, I still get emotional thinking about it because we bought this house. I want to say, um, eight months after we paid off all of our debt. And I remember walking in and thinking, there's no way, there's no way we can afford this mortgage payment. And shit three, two years, 2020, end of 2020, I stopped doing hair. So not only did we buy the house, we also, I was able to pause my income. We were not house poor. Um, we, but we learned in that journey of getting our financial shit together, we learned the tools to be able to do things like pause my income for a year. Like, mm -hmm. so for me, I want Silas to know that it, it's not the industry, it's not their income. Like 
they can change their story. They Mm -hmm. can do it. And it's honestly, it wasn't that hard. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. I love that because really it's like, I was going to ask, well, I was going to ask two questions. Like, was the change of lifestyle hard? Because that, you know, $2,500 is probably going to other things every month. And then was, I guess, part one of that question is, was there something that sparked the, like, wait a minute, I think we're wasting a bunch of money. Like what made you go sit down and comb through your finances? My son. I think that's scary. Your son. My son sitting in the small house with all the toys (laughs) surrounding us, you know, that, that was probably when it was like, okay, like we, we got to change something because we got to get out of here. Um, that I don't remember the exact thing, but I'm pretty sure that was it because he was just born around that time. Um, and then sitting down and just seeing that we were just wasting money on food and, and food that wasn't even that good. Right. Um, so, and it wasn't that hard. It was, it, you know, it's so easy to just spend money, right? Like you walk through a store and you do not think twice, And the only, the biggest, I don't want to say the only shift, the biggest shift for me was starting to real, what is my why, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want to be able to afford this house. We want to be able to afford this thing, that thing, whatever. Um, So I would look at something, I'd go to Target and I would be like, do I need that new shirt or do I really want, you know, to put it towards paying off our debt to be able to do this thing, you know, get the house. So it was really a mind shift. Um, and just thinking about the short period of time it takes to actually pay off the debt, right? Like two years in the scheme of things is nothing. Look mm-hmm. how fast last year went by. Look how fast this year went by. <laughs> like, the last 18 months or whatever, you know, right. and the pandemic hit. It's like, wait, that felt like forever, but also fast. Exactly. Um, and now, you know, we've been in this house for three years and those two years were nothing. It's funny you say that because when I first moved to Calgary and moved in with my partner, Nick, he had student loans and he was just making his minimum payments. I mean, I've been really lucky to never have student loans, um, but I'm, I'm a person who I've actually never carried debt in my life. And I don't know where, I don't remember my parents having a conversation with me about it, but I just like never, like for better or for worse sometimes, because there's like healthy debt. I mean, I've had a mortgage mortgage and a car payment. But now I'm like, I paid off my car. Next time I buy a car, I'm like paying for it in cash. And like, I just hate having debt. Uh, and so when we moved in together and he shared with me, I, I forget how much it was like 20, $30,000. And he's making his minimum payments. And I was like, think about the interest. And I'm like, I'm not a really big numbers person, but I understand interest and like compound. And I was like, if you start paying more to this, you'll actually pay less in the long run because you won't be paying interest. And I kind of, he's not a math person. So I kind of broke it down from as best as I could. And he's like, yeah, but I'm finally like, I'm, he went to school for 12 years. He's like, I'm finally like have a paycheck and I don't want to have to like live like a student anymore. And I was like, here's the thing. If you live the same way you did while you were in school for the next two years, that debt will be gone. And then after that two years, I was like, how was life? He's like, it was fine. I'm like, well, why don't we keep putting that money towards something else? And then, you know, another two years of savings and we bought our house. And talking about mentality, I have to share this with you because I feel like you'll get it. I didn't feel like I deserve the home that we're in. 
And for six months after we moved in, I would wake up with panic attacks being like, are we going to be able to pay your mortgage? Are we going to be able? And I'm like, okay, it's been three and a half years and we're totally fine. But it's a really, and so I'm curious if you had that mindset shift of being like, I don't deserve this. I'm not the kind of person that lives in this, this kind of house or lives this kind of way. And like, almost like a guilt for um, thinking it's people who have more when really you're just being more responsible. So this will almost make me emotional. I'll try not to cry. But um, there was something I realized when we were buying this house and it was that living in this neighborhood was also one of my mom's dreams mm-hmm. and she never made it happen. She, she's the one who kind of taught me that if you have good credit, like you can buy anything. And that's what screwed me in the end because okay. that's why I had the debt that I had because that's how I kind of was raised. Um, and I'm very proud of this house, but I have a very hard time trying not to, I don't want to say brag about it, but like around my family because, and don't get me wrong, my family are fine, but like we didn't have a lot of money growing up. My husband's parents didn't have a lot of money growing up. I mean, we weren't poor by any means, but it was like, I still feel like an imposter in this neighborhood still Mm -hmm. to this day. Like, I hate when somebody asks me what I do for a living, like, and, and I hate that that stigma is around being a hairstylist as well, because I, somebody will automatically ask, Oh, what do you do for a living? You know? And I will say a hairstylist and those go, Oh, huh. And that's it. It's cute. Yeah. And, and they, the, in their mind, I know they're thinking, how the hell does she live here? Mm-hmm. you know you and it's like do you think they're actually thinking that or is that just our insecurity t- telling us they're thinking that I think it's both mm-hmm. I think it's both I recently had someone at literally start in a good way start asking me about the hairstylist and my coaching business and legitimately was very curious and it was like the first time anyone has ever done that because again like people think they just know being a hairstylist right and they think it's a low-income job you know, they think they have all of these like preconceived ideas. Um, and so, yeah, so it definitely some imposter syndrome going on still three years later, <laughs> but yeah. you know, I know how to cope with that and I don't really care. <laughs> it's, and it's interesting to like be able to, um, like, and I think it's really important to like be able to admit those things of like, it's you like are on one hand, like accepting the fruits of your labor And at the same time being like, wait, I had this idea of people who lived here or people who were like this. And I'm realizing that it was, it's completely false, but I'm still experiencing the emotions of that idea that I thought. And now I'm not, and now I'm on the other side of it going, oh, I had it all wrong. Right. Exactly. And that's the problem. I think that's why I think people don't even try with their money is because Mm -hmm. they just think that you know, because they grew up a certain way, because they picked a certain career, like there isn't an option. Like that's it. This, this is just the life I was meant to have. And it's like, well, that's not true. I mean, you can do anything really. I mean, I know that sounds like a little talking to a little five-year-old, you can be whatever you want when you grow up, but you really can, but you have to put in the work and you have to put in the action you know, mm-hmm. the investment, the sacrifice, whatever you want to call it. Like you can't just sit around and dream and wish, and you have to actually actively do something. And I think that that, um, 
that is the hardest part. But once you start, it's so easy. Yeah, and I feel like the number one step for me, and I'm curious if you agree, is just creating awareness around it. So many times when I'm, when I feel insecure or like I don't know something, like even just this weekend, such a random thing. I've like been telling myself for so long, well, I want to like put these shelves up in my house or I want to do the flooring. And I'm like, but I don't know how to do that. And then I caught myself this weekend being like, I mean, I don't know isn't an answer. And I tell that to other people all the time, but like my dad's a handy guy. He lives six hours away. And I'm like, I can YouTube this stuff where I started like Googling, like there's a DIY center here in Calgary that has tradespeople that do workshops to teach you how to like do home renos. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like the hobby that I've been looking for. But that whole, like, I don't know. And then going, oh, wait, I can create like the awareness of like, I can find a solution or I, I mean, you'll be proud of me. I just recently, I've always been really good with my money, but never really budgeted, if that makes sense. So I don't spend it, but I don't really like allocate it. And so I just recently, every Friday morning have started just inputting my spending for the week, just to be aware of it. I'm not even budgeting, like try to only spend so much, just to be aware. It took me 10 minutes and I did it while I was laying in bed. Yes. Like, oh yeah. Like it doesn't, it's, I kept thinking it had to be this big production. And so I would avoid doing it. Cause like, oh, if I'm going to start budgeting and I'm curious if you've had students or people be like, well, I'm just not good at numbers or I can't do this, or it's going to take too much time, or I'm going to be too frustrated. Like it lit, I, I'm curious. And I know you probably teach a certain way, but how much time is it for people? So I think that the first time takes a little bit longer, but that's it. And then after that, it's easy. And nowadays there's apps. There's so, there are so many things that make things easy. Like you can literally link your bank accounts to something. You don't have to like input, you don't have to do math. Like it does it all for you. The misconception around budgeting is people think that a budget means that they have to restrict their themselves. And that is what I try and work with my clients is a budget is not a restriction. A budget is a plan. Yeah. Budget is being proactive rather than being reactive. So it's just giving your money a job before you even receive it. And Mm -hmm. that's it. And all it is, is a way to be aware of where your money is going. Like nobody's going to come at you and be like, you overspent yesterday. Like you, you know what I mean? Like it's just for you. Um, but it is so important because we, it is so easy to spend so much money. $27 and 40 cents a day is $10,000 a year. And I say this all the time because that's so easy to spend and $10,000 a year, like, come on. Like, so I think people think that a budget is going to be hard. I think that it, they think that it is going to be restrictive that, you know, you only do that if you're poor, which is, it's all crap. Yeah. And I, I would say the wealthiest people are the ones with the strictest budgets. Absolutely. And I want to touch on like keeping up with the Joneses because I feel like, and this is one example that I always use is like with the internet and with social media, we see, and maybe because I've been on your podcast, maybe I use this. I don't know. <laughs> it's a repeat. I mean, but we see like 10 people doing 10 different things. And we think we got to do all 10 when we don't see the sacrifices or the things those people aren't doing. And I see people spend so much money or on the other hand, like people, this is more what I teach on is like, 
people bring in a high amount, but the mentality of like, I'm only worth this much. So they make sure they spend it on business stuff before they even get it to take home. So I've seen people earn six figures, but only take home 30,000. Cause it's they so feel guilty. Like, yeah. And it's kind of like that whole like target thing, like, oh, my Cosmoprof and like, oh, I could use this. And like, do I really need it? What are my goals? And can I live without it? Right. And that's the thing, like I do the, um, um, I put this on my Instagram often is the maybe tomorrow money challenge. Mm. And essentially what it is, is every time you go to spend something and you can use this for business, for personal, any kind of spending, if it is something that you are, is not an absolute necessity, look at it and go, I'll buy that tomorrow. Maybe I'll get that tomorrow and see how long you can do that. Because what happens is one, you're walking away from that thing, right? You're not emotionally, I wanna buy this water bottle right now because I see it and it's pretty. It's gonna be there tomorrow, right? So by tomorrow, I might forget about it. Yours is pretty too. <laughs> it was an impulse buy. Yeah. It, gives me, it gives me encouragement throughout the day. I mean- To I'm drink lots of water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's- you know, it, and it just reminds you, cause you might wake up tomorrow and go, I don't even remember what was it. What did I want to buy yesterday? Mm-hmm. You know, cause we waste so much money. Cause it's really not about not spending. It's just about not wasting. Yeah. I love that. I love it. Cause you can still reward yourself. And I mean, I used spending as therapy and all like, so most of my listeners know I was married and divorced. I got divorced in 2011 when I was 28 years old And like, I, I mean, you don't get married expecting you're going to get divorced. So my whole future as I, the hope of what I thought my life was going to unfold completely crashed. And anyone who's probably gone through a divorce can, can empathize with this. Cause I didn't, I, I have so much more, anyway, going off on a tangent, I have so much more empathy for people who go through divorces. I had no idea. I was like, you don't like the person. What's the big deal? Why are you so upset? But it's like this hope for your future that is Now you're like grieving the loss of the future you thought you were going to happen. And so I started using retail as my therapy. I was at the simultaneously. So I went into business in 2010, got divorced in 2011. And my business, I just dove into business, was making good money and spending it as quickly as it came in. Or if I wanted something, I'd work extra. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking and realizing I was spending $600 a month on clothes alone. And being like, oh crap. And I think it was, I got a $20,000 tax bill for my business the first year and I didn't save for it. Cause I mean, I didn't know anything about being in business. And so it was, I think in that going, okay I need to pay this $20,000 back. Cause you know, I don't like debt and save for next year to be ahead. So I have $20,000 plus this year's taxes. And that's when I think I realized, oh my gosh I'm spending so much on clothes. And I, I think it was 2012 I did a um, no consumerism year. Mm, so it was so awesome but I will tell you this the funny part of it is me and my friend went to Vegas on December 1st of 2011 I think I started right before Christmas so it was like but to we were in Vegas as you are and we maybe had had a couple um mimosas at breakfast and we went into Tiffany's and I was like you know what I need something to remind me daily that I'm not going to spend money for a year so I bought a Tiffany's ring to start the challenge, which is terrible. I mean, I still have the ring and it's beautiful, but it is my reminder that I went a whole year without my role was no household, no clothing and no household. Cause I thought if I do, if I don't do clothing, then I'm just going to go and buy household knickknacks. 
So you bought nothing for a whole year? Like Nothing for myself. If someone gave me a gift card, I allowed myself to use it. Um, and I was allowed to buy gifts for other people. I mean, I had to check that though, because it was really, like, well, buy this for someone else. Because it was like the, it was the act of buying that gave me the adrenaline rush. Right. Um, but yeah, I stopped consumerism for a full year and what it did, it wasn't as hard as I thought. I had so much more money in my pocket and I have not gone back to buying clothes the way I used to at all. I have a very, and then I've done since then like a whole minimalism thing. I have very little clothes and sometimes I get envious, but at the same time, I think of how much money went down the drain in clothes. Right. And that's hard in our industry because fashion is such a big part of it. I'm curious how you handle that. I mean, so it's funny because I'm one of those people that I will spend a lot of money on staples, like jeans, like something that I know that I will wear for years and years and years. Um, but I buy the cheapest trendy stuff, you know, mm -hmm. like sheen or whatever online. It's like $2 for like a shirt. I, it's, I don't even want to yeah, know. Who's... Americans have way better. I mean, no, well, it's not, it's I'm ethical. Pretty, I mean, <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure like six-year-olds are, are making them, but, um, like, I don't know. I don't want to know. <laughs> like, um, but I definitely do. I go through my spending trigger is, um, vacations or trips. So like 2020, I hardly spent anything because for what, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you know, um, but now that trips are starting to happen, that is where it gets harder. So I have to rein myself in and go in my closet and look at things. First of all, I have things. I have things I didn't get to wear. I have things I haven't worn in two years. Um, so I have to remind myself that I would rather put that money towards the plane ticket or the hotel or, you know, whatever it is or dinner out where I'm going. Like, I like to give myself my money a job in my head because if it's just hanging out, I'll just spend it. It's not there for anything, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I've gotten to the point too, where as far as like comparing myself to other like trendier, like stylists and things like that, like I like a crisp white tank top jeans and some, a pretty necklace. Like I've mm -hmm. stopped trying to do the more trendy stuff because I have loved that outfit since high school and I still feel the prettiest. So I will buy something that I think is like trendier and is going to like make me fit in. And then I just put it on and I feel not myself. So I turn around and go put on my white wife beater and my pretty mm -hmm. necklace. And so that has helped, you know, I have to remind myself, Missy, that may look pretty on that website, but it's not, you're not going to like it. <laughs> like, you know. I mean, I'm a jeans and a t-shirt kind of gal too. I'm like, I don't really get dressed up. I mean, I feel, I don't feel like myself when I get too dressed up. And like, even I mean, today I'm like in sweatpants most of the time. And that might be a result of the pandemic. Um, but yeah, it's like feeling like, you know what? I don't need to be anyone else, but myself. And I'm a pretty cash coach person. And I think as far as spending money in general to like, I think we, we spend money a lot of times to impress people, whether we realize it or not. I mean, it can be somebody inviting you to brunch when you really can't afford it or a, a girl's weekend or, you know, education, anything like that. And, and I can, we can get into, you know, investing in education yeah. as well, but, um, 
but I think it's just important to remember and communicate with people like your girlfriends call you and say, Hey, like, let's go to brunch after work. You know, you know, I I've actually got some other goals right now. Like I'm not going to be able to, and, and just, it comes down to boundaries around what your goals are, you know, with your money and people respect that. And if they don't, well, reassess friendships, yeah. but <laughs> I think about the money I used to blow at the bar. Like you'd be like, Oh, I can't afford that. And then all of a sudden you have a couple of drinks and you're spending 80 bucks in the night. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I just posted, I mean, this is coming out later, but I put a quote from Will Rogers. I think you saw it where it said too many people spend money they earned to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And, and I think that that's the thing is like, who are you like, that comes down to internal validation now, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the thing with my coaching clients. Um, it always comes down to something more than money. Yeah. You know, it's right. not, I mean, even uh, let's financially invest. All right. I, somebody um, sent me a message the other day and they said, why is it so easy to walk into target and spend a couple hundred dollars, but it is so hard of a decision to spend a couple hundred dollars investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that this was a great question because one, we like to know the outcome. Like we like to know what is gonna happen. Like, so when you walk into Target and you pick something out, you pay for it. That is the thing that you're going to get. Like I'm buying this water bottle. I walk out with this water bottle. That's it. The exchange of money and energy because essentially that's all it is. You, you know what you got. But when you invest in yourself and your business and all of these things, there's this, risk in your mind of what if I don't get a return and ability on you to follow through. Exactly. Exactly. And, and I, it was just a really interesting question um, because we're so quick to spend on something that doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a tangible kinesthetic something. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So when it comes to boundaries with yourself around spending your money when you sat down and went oh my goodness we're you know we have $2,500 that we could put every month towards debt how did you because it's one thing to recognize it and go okay we're going to change this how did you deal with the temptations and the habits that you were in of spending your money how did you kind of put those boundaries into place and deal with the temptation and and the knee-jerk unconscious reaction of it so like a diet Exactly. Exactly. And the beginning. So the first three months we were extremely strict, like extremely, like could, we would have never finished through if we would have stuck that way. Like we, I literally walked to the grocery store. We, we did the envelope system with the cash at first. And so I would walk through the grocery store with a calculator and an envelope of money. And that was all the money I had. So if I went over, I had to put something back, which is super fucking embarrassing. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I never had to do that because I used my calculator <laughs> as I was walking. To, I looked crazy. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, it's responsible. It taught me so much though. Like it taught me a lot. Um, so the first three months we were like, all right, this is not sustainable. Like we didn't mm-hmm. go out to eat nothing. We like, we are social beings. We like to go out to eat. So we realized quickly that we could not just completely give up all of the things that we love to hit this goal, or we would just say, screw it. I'm not doing this. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I think it was really, it's really important. And I, and I do this in my coaching as well. Like you really have to celebrate your wins 
you really have to put in things that you love. So for example, one of my clients this month, um, she wanted new glasses. She went to the eye doctor, she saw the glasses and instead of just buying them right there, she went home and she put it in her budget for the next month. And I'm so proud of her because this, you know, a couple of weeks later, she sends me a message. She said, I paid off $900 off my credit cards. And my first question was, but did you buy the, finally buy the glasses? And she said, yes. And I was like, that is a win because mm -hmm. now you're learning how to make your money work for you and still hit your goals. Mm -hmm. So when my husband and I, we had the credit cards and then we had car payments. As soon as we paid off all of our credit cards, we made the choice to go on a trip to Mexico. So we paused paying off our cards for two months on purpose. We laid it out. We knew exactly how it was going to look. And we went on a trip and it's little things like that. Like we didn't go into debt to go in that, on that trip. We paid full cash for the first time in our lives for our trip, you know, and then we still were on the same track we had planned to pay all of our debt off. So I think that we have to honor the things that make us happy because I mean, you can't put yourself in a prison, right? Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I wasn't buying Lululemon as much. I, you know, we weren't going out to eat. We weren't going to Mexican every Friday. Like we had always done, like, mm -hmm. we were, but when we did go out, we were going out to nicer places for more money because if I'm going to spend my money going out, it's going to be worth it rather right. than you know, so, so you, you start to appreciate the finer things a little bit more as well, which sounds a little crazy. Um, but again, just learning how to make the money work for you and, um, hit your goals and still like sustain a happy life along the way. You know, I have to share a story with you that I just remembered from a client of mine from a few years ago, she lived on an eight or probably still does lives on an acreage and her neighbor, um, used to, they were addicted to Lululemon as well. And she's like, every Tuesday, their new collection comes out on the website. Like, I, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I mean, and maybe it's just a Canadian thing. I don't know. But the, the fast fashion is it's like, it used to be seasonal collections. Now it's weekly collections. And her neighbor would get it sent to her house. So her husband wouldn't see. And she's like, one day I didn't realize I was opening up hers. And it was literally like the same pair of pants in six different colors. And this same family was like, yeah, we spend $10,000 a month on eating out. Mm, $10,000. Oh my God. On just eating out. It's like a family of six or something. And I went, whoa. And then I like feel myself judging. And then I'm like, well, okay, wait. I mean, I probably to somebody else looking at my finances would be like, they spend how much? It's like all on a scale, right? But yeah, it's like 10 grand. Like, why would you spend 10 grand on eating out? And then I'm like, I mean, there's probably things. I mean, I don't have that, but like, there's probably things in my business that like, why are you spending this money or what's your priority? And Nick and I have tried to like, we eat out probably once a week. Um, and we've tried to scale it back or like going to the convenience store. I'm like, well, let's just get get stuff at the grocery store so we have stuff um and we've just decided like we like eating out once a week so that's going to be one of the things we allow ourselves to do um well, and, and everybody priorities. everybody values something differently you know mm -hmm. and and that I think is important too uh, when you're talking to your significant other about money you know a lot of times I'm working with one person and then they're going to talk to their husband or wife you know, and the conversation is, well, you can't do this anymore to the 
And you can't do that. Like my husband likes to leave for work every morning and go to 7-Eleven. I don't know what the hell he buys for $6.77 every day. But <laughs> like, and well, and at first it was like, what do you like, can we buy it at Costco and save the money? Cause you know, 7-Eleven is more expensive for convenience. And then I finally realized, I was like, you know what? He likes to get up at 6 a.m. and go with all the other guys to 7-Eleven and get whatever they get. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's something that he loves and he values. And, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the same, like they might just love and value going out. I mean, I would love to be able to spend $10,000 going out to eat a month. <laughs> I mean, I was like, where are they? I mean, if they've got, I think it was like five kids, but I'm like still $10,000. A lot. But I mean, you know, again, it's hard for us not, I have a problem too. I've gotten a lot better where I would judge people's financial decisions when I did not know their financial situation, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that is um, something that, because I now look at shiny, like people that look like they have a lot of money. And in my mind automatically goes, yeah, they borrowed all that. Like, <laughs> and yeah. it's not true, you know? And so and some people it is and some people it isn't. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that we have to one, keep your blinders on. What do you want? Period. You know, yeah. what do you want for your family? What do you want for your life? And then make those decisions, set those boundaries around your finances with that. And what is your significant other want and compromise? Um, you know, but it, it can, it can literally change your life. Can you imagine getting to the end of your life and go, I didn't focus on being happy. I focused on keeping up. Yeah. That's ridiculous. My grandfather's 87. And I asked him recently, um, what he regrets the most in his life. And he said he was, he was in the Navy, worked a lot. He was always gone. Um, and he said, not spending enough time with my kids and my wife. And, mm-hmm. and you hear that all the time, yeah. you know, and it's like, but how can you have that freedom is like, you have to be, you know, think about why people work so hard because there's that scarcity mindset. They need that money. They don't have enough money. They need more money, you know? And it's like, well, what if you could manage the money you had and have the freedom as well? Because essentially majority of the time people want the money because they want that feeling. They want that feeling of freedom or they want that feeling that that item or that house or you know whatever is gonna give them. And it's really not about the money. It's just about how we wanna feel in the end. Yeah, I love that. I think it's Gary Vee that says like, who cares if you've got, if you're making like $200,000 a year and you're unhappy, like move to a smaller town, take the $40,000 a year and spend time with your family. Like that's, what's going to make you happy. Like yep. stop focusing on like the, the, how much, because that's really not it. And yep. you know, the world would be a different place if we all carried like how much in debt we are on our chest. Yeah. Or you're I, just your net worth. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, okay. I have like other questions that I want to ask you, but I also want to know, like you said, you went on a vacation the first time you paid for it in full. How good did it, or paid for it ahead of time? How good did it feel to come home from a vacation and not have to pay for it after the fact? So good because you, there's not that stress. Yeah. You know, and again, it's the same thing as buying an item. Like, how many times have you spent, you know, too much money shopping and then you regret it later because you, oh my God, I don't have the money for this, that, or the other, you know? And it it was, it's the same. It was like, we went, we paid for it. We came home and that was it. The only thing we came home with was like pictures and memories, (laughs) you know, not 
payments and bills and, and yeah. it, it feels, it feels great. And it still feels great. Like it, it's still one of the things I am most proud of me and my husband, both, we talk about all the time that we've ever done like ever. And it probably will always be that way. I, um, I remember, I think it was my mom that like scared me and she's like, a credit card is not free money. Like you don't want to pay its interest. It's so high. And so I've never, I've thankfully never got into credit card debt. And, but I remember like tempting to, and being like, okay, I'm going to buy this thing for however much it says it is, but how much am I going to pay for it in the end? If I don't have the money to pay it off, because that interest, this thing's going to be way more expensive right in the long run and, and i am not anti credit card by any means I, we we have credit cards we just pay them off now like i haven't paid interest on anything but my house in what 5 6 years you know like yeah um but i think that there's a little misconception there but i also think you have to be ready it took me 3 year 2 year 2 or 3 years after we paid our debt off for me to have a credit card again mm. cuz i had to be responsible with it I had to know that I wasn't going to go crazy with it. Um, mm -hmm. And I, and that is, that's the hard part because sure, use a credit card. Yes. Points are great, but they're not that great. If you're paying for them with interest, like you're not getting money out of it. Like you're, it's not free shit. Trust me. <laughs> like and I just learned, I think it was two or three years ago at the bank. Cause I was like, I, I'm like obsessed with getting my credit score. Like I want a perfect credit score. <laughs> like a weird thing. And I was like, how they're like, your credit's good. I'm like, but how can I make it better? <laughs> like, okay. Um, and they're like, well, actually, and I don't know if this is for all banks, but my bank was like, you probably want to increase your limit on your credit card. But like you, if you keep your spending under three quarters or under 50% of your limit, it actually bumps up your credit rating because it shows the bank that you're responsible and you're not maxing out your credit card. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So if you have a higher limit, but spend only 50, like only ever put 50% of it on. Right. Credit limit. Oh, I mean, yeah, I was one of the, I mean, this isn't kind of one I, I want to, we only have so much time and I want to ask other questions, but I am obsessed with points. Um, and I mean, like the credit card companies don't make money off of me. They probably lose money on me. Um, but I have this weird new fascination with, I'm only going to take a vacation if I have the points to do it. And I hoard my points and I was just looking the other day and I was like Nick both you and I could go to Australia round trip with points. yes I, I know. know when that's gonna happen but yeah, all the ones we have they're all for flights <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm I'm like why would you have it for anything else other than travel but I know right out there uh, okay I want to ask you why is hairstylists in the beauty industry notoriously bad with our money I really think that, and this is just my opinion, obviously, but I really think that we get into this business because we want to be creative. We want to have freedom. You know, all the misconceptions that clients have about our job is why we got into this business, right? Like I like hated high school, knew I didn't want to go to college, went to Votech thinking, oh, I can just hairstylists look like rock stars. Like, you know, um, so I think we get in thinking that we can just do the hairs, make some money and that's it, you know? And, and I don't know what the newer generation's going to be like because they're seeing that there's money to be made now. But what kills me about our industry is if you Google the, in the U S especially, if you Google the average income of a hairstylist, it's like $25,000 a year. 
-hmm. And we know that that's bullshit. Like, and what bothers me is hairstylists get so upset that clients and, you know, people do not respect the business, but they're not treating their business like a business. So they're hoarding their tips. They're they're Venmoing, they're hiding money. Basically they're not, you know, paying all their taxes or, you know, whatever. And it's like, well, you can't be mad that other people don't take your job seriously if you're not taking your job seriously. So my goal is to have stylists like take not only their job seriously, but their finances seriously at home and show the world that a wealthy stylist is a normal thing. It's not this anomaly and this like, oh my gosh, you're so lucky, which I hate that word. Um, you know, like it's something that that we can we can change the narrative and we have to do it one stylist at a time. I love that because yeah, my, my next question was gonna segue into being paid under the table. Now it's great to have that cash in hand, but then when you go to try to get, get a car or, or a mortgage, you're kicked in the butt because you're claimed income. And I also see people, and I'm curious your thoughts and opinions. I mean, I see this from my early days in the industry is I just use my tips as like free for all money. And when I started going, oh, I remember when I first started making about a thousand extra dollars a month and tips being like, oh man, I'm like just blowing this at the mall on my lunch break. Like I need to actually like do something with this. And I, my brother worked for the CRA, which is like the Canadian version of the IRS. <laughs> so I was lucky with, and I, he's like, he kind of was like, yeah, you should probably claim it or yeah. <laughs> like or like just don't buy anything that's traceable I'm like like if I buy jeans he's like you're fine <laughs> so I would like at the beginning I would kind of like keep a little bit of my like my cash tips I mean I was working at a salon so I wasn't getting I wasn't taking the cash from my clients but when I went self-employed I was starting to get more a lot more more cash and it was very tempting and so I'm curious your thoughts from a money coach and a budgeting expert like what are your thoughts on like keeping some of the money under the table versus claiming it all and paying taxes. I, I like everything legit. I mean, I tell your, your tips are your income period, period. It would just be like, if you got a random check, like an overpayment for something, right? Like, you know, and I used to do this. I used to, you know, you would get tips or say you got something in the mail. You got it. I don't know. Maybe you overpaid your taxes, whatever free money. <laughs> I've done right? that. Oh, we all have. Right. No, I'm yes. No, it's happened to me. But like you think free money, this is like I can use this for some, you know, mm -hmm. blow it on something. But that is the mentality that is going not going to get you to your goals. Like you want to look at every dollar as money to get you to your goals. So like if you're getting tips, claim it as your it's income. It is income. Income is incoming money. <laughs> <laughs> and put it in your budget and look at what, what the debt you can pay off or, or the, or the money you can save or vacation you can go on. Yeah. Or if you want to open a salon one day or a suite, or like you want a new salon chair, like, like that is what the budget is for. That mm -hmm. is, you know, so I think looking at it as like free money or like extra money is, is not, it's just not the way to go. Yeah. One thing I do want to share with everyone, cause it's like, it's a, it's a source of pride for me, for one, is that I've never, never taken out a loan or gone into debt for my business. I've always saved it. And so when people are like, well, 
you know, I want, I want to do this and I'm going to have to go to the bank. I'm like, you don't have to do it if you don't want. I mean, I, my first salon was very like my, my clients were, it wasn't perfect. And I have friends that are like, I can't post a picture of my place or I can't have a client in until it's all done and perfect. And I'm like, I mean, my clients loved seeing that. Like I had a, a ladder in the corner and I had no shelves and I was like, I can still do your hair. And this is like what it's going to be for the next few months. But I did things as I could afford them. And I've built something that I'm really proud of that I never thought I could have without, and I mean, I'm not saying taking out loans for business stuff is bad, but like it is doable if you can, you know, put your mind to something and figure out your priorities with your money. Absolutely. I mean, it comes down to patience, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's why, why do people get in credit card debt? Why do people take out? Because they want it now. They want it quick. You know, yeah. they, they don't, I don't have it yet. So I need it now, but I'll have it later. So I'll pay it off late. You know what I mean? And, and then it's always that, more and more and more. Right. And that interest you're paying more to do it faster. Yeah. So it, that's gotta be something you think about. Like, you know, d- it depends on the situation for some people, you know, if they don't have a choice, they need to open something right away. They don't, you know, okay but at least have a plan on how you're going to pay it off. Okay. If I'm going to take this loan out, I need this much to pay off in this amount of time. Like you got to have a plan and you have to stick to the plan or you will just drown yourself in debt. And yeah. you can never feeling like you can never get out of it, which you can, but it, the, the more that it builds up, the harder it is and the longer it takes. And like I always say, you've got to choose you have to choose the long-term win over the short-term comfort. It's mm. always, always going to be worth it. Always. I love that. Well, Misty, I know like how, how, what kind of person should reach out to you to work with you? So I work with stylists who are making money. <laughs> you know, they, they have money, but they feel broke. They're busy. Um, they have a pretty good business. Maybe they're lacking a little boundaries, maybe, you know, but for the most part, they just, the money's coming in, but they do not know what to do with it. They feel like they're stuck in their lives and they just don't know how to make their dreams, their goals, all their why. They don't know how to, how to make it come to fruition. So that is who I work with. I work one-on-one. Um, and hopefully I'll have some other things coming out that is, uh, not quite one-on-one, but we'll hold off on that. (laughs) And just to clarify, like you're going to help them with their personal finances. Will that ultimately help them with their business finances as well? Yes, Yes, exactly. I talk a little bit about business, but I am not a CPA. I'm not an accountant. Um, you know, I cannot give specific advice, but I can help with the mindset because it leaks into your business. I mean, your money mindset leaks into literally almost everything in your life. I mean, the fact that you got yourself out of nearly $50,000 of debt in two years and bought a house that you never thought you could have, obviously you're going to, you can help people. That will be paid off by the time I'm 50, by the way, which is also amazing to me. Yeah. I just like sat down. It's funny. Cause I, I mean, I'm wrapping this up, but I also want to share this is I was talking with my financial advisor and I'm like, I just, I want to get rid of my mortgage. And he's like, all right. He's like, well, and like, I'm that person that I'm like, let's just put everything towards the mortgage for, and he's like, for the next 10 years, like, (laughs) yeah, but it would cut down so much. (laughs) Yeah. And and he's like, you still need to live life. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, I still need to like, keep like, I'm like, I still need to like live my life for the next 10 years. Cause 
what if I don't make it past the next 10 years? And so that balance between like rewarding yourself, but also being strict and like making- And paying one extra mortgage payment a year makes such a huge difference on the timeline. It cuts it down significantly. Bi-weekly. Yes. Bi-weekly, and then you get yep. two extra payments a year. Yeah. Yes. And, then, and I mean, we're going to a big financial lesson, but most banks, I think you can double up a payment without being penalized. Right. Or do like, I think I can do a lump sum up to 10% a year. And you pay down your principal way quicker. Yeah. Yep. If you if anyone that's listening is like wants a mortgage but is intimidated by mortgages and stuff like that, and they can DM you too because I remember the first time I bought a house, I'm like, I don't know anything about this stuff. Right. Well, I don't know, know a whole lot about mortgages. Don't DM me about how to get a mortgage. <laughs> she can tell you how she got hers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Misty, this has been so great. So I know that there are people that are like, oh my gosh, I need to connect with her. I need to know more about her. Where can people stay in touch with you after this episode? I pretty much live on Instagram. So you can find me at underscore Misty Jane underscore. And that is J-A-Y-N-E with a Y. Um, you can also find all my information at www.mistyjane.com. Um, and you can hear me talk to my friends um, over at Backroom Beauty Talks, the podcast. That's not necessarily about money, but that's just fun to listen to. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and sharing so much of your wisdom knowledge and being vulnerable with your story. It's really, really impressive to see what you've accomplished in such a short time. Thank you. Thanks. Oh my gosh, what a fun episode. I just love Misty. And if you're not following her, her already, go connect with her on Instagram. She is a wealth of knowledge. And I mean, her story is so inspiring. But before you leave right now, I just wanted to remind you really quickly, friend, that the doors to Rock Your Consultation are closing. If you didn't know, my program Rock Your Consultation is going to help you not only get clients who respect you, trust you, value you, and pay you, but also help you get people who are following your policies under understand they're there and just really level up your business to have you treated like the professional that you know you are. So if you're at all curious about why I charge $100 for consultations, why I do things differently and why my consultations are set up differently and how we're changing the industry and the way the rest of the world views us, go check it out at donbradley.com slash R-Y-C. You're going to get special bonuses and amazing deals if you join before the doors close tonight. So if you're listening to this podcast live, well, not live, but right now it comes out on this Monday, go check it out and get those deals. All right, friend, until next time, have a great week.